Law & Order has returned after over a 10-year hiatus for its 21st season. The name of the episode we're discussing? The Right Thing. It's about the murder of Henry King, a famous singer and social pariah having been accused of raping 40 women and then only receiving a small sentence. The episode did one thing well. It introduced us to all the characters that we're supposed to get to know again. Jeffrey Donovan, Sam Waterston, Hugh Dancy, Anthony Anderson. There's some new faces and they all get their screen time. And by the end of it, we know where their morals lie. We know where their opinions lie. The episode starts off pretty bad. It gets better in the middle. And then it has sort of an ugly ending. Wait, it starts off pretty bad. Isn't that usually when the murder like happens and it's supposed to intrigue the audience? I mean, with the first 10 minutes past the murder, it's still pretty bad. I'll, do you, I'll start with my bad. Yeah. Usually I start with my good. I'll start with you my start bad. With bad. It feels dated. Yeah, you're not the only one who feels that way. People were talking about how when the show originally went off the air in 2010, to the surprise of the cast and, and really the crew as well, that uh, when it was brought back, they didn't really change any of the formula, even though kind of the whole entire procedural has been changed a lot. Well, the then. writers went back to the writing room and they saw that there was like a couple leftover scripts and they just picked those ones up, added a few <laughs> things from 2022 and then just ran with That's it. That's not what happened. Well, if you think about it, this is all about Cosby. Henry King used Rohypnol to drug these women, rape these women. He was a celebrity. He was friends with some of them. This is Cosby. It's completely him. The fallout for that started in 2014. I think, like, his first trial was, like, even in 2012. So it's over a decade long. Why not pick something more current to start with? Also, that seems more like an SVU. That's what people were saying. And not only that, but the behavior of the cops. 2022. And right, I, I good, felt like good I was watching. Bad, right, <laughs> I was well. There's good versus bad, but I, I felt like I was watching Crash. You know, where it was like you have the white cop who's stuck in his old ways. He's borderline racist. Are you the talking about cop, Sam Waterston? No, wait, what? He's, Sam Waterston has never been a cop. He's a prosecuting attorney. He's a district attorney. attorney. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So no, no, no. I'm talking about Jeffrey Donovan. He comes in there and he says it himself. He's like, I probably shouldn't be talking most of this time, but I like to speak my my truth or whatever. Um, and then you have the black cop who speaks kind of cool and he's a voice of reason. And that's Anthony Anderson. And he did a fine job, but it felt too preachy by the end of it. It's like there's always been a moral overtone, but there's a difference between addressing an issue, which like cops and brutality and uh, racism and all that, and then beating a dead horse with it. Lines like first time in 10 years, people care about a black man getting shot. Again, New York, <laughs> 2022, <laughs> not Dogtown, Alabama. There's... There's a difference. And then she's not some progressive crusader trying to get her name in the paper. Uh, The bluster and befuddlement of Jeffrey Donovan at the concept that people don't want to talk to cops. See, I thought that Jeffrey Donovan in this show was a lot like his Burn Notice character. No. No. Burn Notice, he's like supposed to be 10 steps ahead every single time. Yeah, and he's the protagonist in that. Yeah, and in this one, he, he does play a good guy, but he's a good guy with flawed morals i guess they they also mentioned defunding the cops and they're like we're not going to make it political or really it just felt like a lot of um notes that they felt after the script was written they had to stick in there just to kind of like oh look we're current so appease the audience yeah well no not to appease the audience because it was mostly like blue bloods type thing where they were like i can't believe they tried to defund the cops like that type <laughs> of stuff and then there's the suspects and with law and order you're always going to get these peculiar personalities there's his wife who didn't turn on the alarm or security system or anything. She secretly hated her husband. Um, she treats her interrogation like some sort of 40s noir. Like I, she was just missing the long cigarette where she's like, really? I just despise the man. <laughs> that type of thing. 
Then there was his ex-agent who he screwed over and sent him a text like, it's over, I'm coming from you. We see him once, he disappears. Uh, he just calls the guy a cheap son of a bitch. How, is, how old was the guy? The guy's like, I don't know, 60 or something. He so, spent 10 years in jail, but he got off free after was, that. Was the wife like a younger person? No, no, no. The wife had been on his side the whole time. She had just faked. She wanted to uh, keep the image up so that mm. she could keep the money rolling. But other than that, she wasn't a fan of his. There was Shabazz Walker, who was introduced as a gangbanger, um, but he ended up not really, he had an alibi. He roughed up Henry King the night before. Um, and then you have Jamie Ross, who's the angry prosecutor who ended up giving him the deal unintentionally, not realizing there were more victims who were going to come out of the woodwork. But because she gave him that deal, uh, she wasn't able to retry him. And when she tried to, uh, they kind of threw out is the that case. How, is that how it works? Like, you can't, well, yeah. a prosecutor can make a deal with a, um, with a criminal in return for their testimony and for like everything that they're going to give them. However, uh, if they find out later on that they ended up having more victims than they said like in this case then she got screwed over and then lastly there's one of his own victims nicole atkins uh green hoodie sunglasses uh guy that's how she was introduced mm -hmm. she was the first woman to accuse him of rape and then in the interrogation she actually admits to shooting him is that that's not the end of the episode right that's like midway through that's like 20 minutes in because the way that her confession ends up happening is that you have jeffrey donovan's character his name's frank Frank Cosgrove, he likes to speak his mind, like I said. Mm -hmm. uh, he reminds me of Will Arnett from Murderville if he was a little bit smarter, <laughs> but a little bit more racist. But, like, Will Arnett from Murderville was incredibly dumb. A little bit smarter. Frank is a little bit smarter. But, like, I'm saying a little bit smarter. And, and I'll explain why. So, Frank <laughs> yeah. basically tricks Nicole. The way the prosecuting attorney later puts it, he practically promised her immunity uh, exploited the fact that she was a rape victim and then once she confessed immediately handcuffed her and then like was like now you're going away for a while That's like he, he was like it's okay we'll let you walk as, as soon as you just explain why you killed him and then she was like okay well it happened because of this and this and this and then he was like how could she be tricked by that obviously if you tell a cop that you killed someone even if they're but like he was promising her and that's where i thought that he was actually a step ahead of things i thought what he was happening there was that he was because he said, I'm a man of my word, right? Mm -hmm. you, you'll be able to go free. I thought he was doing such a bad job of being an actual interrogator <laughs> or cop that he was setting it up for the defense to be able to throw out the case. I thought that they would be able to say it was a coerced confession. Huh. Hence, she gets to walk. Because in the end, you're supposed to be rooting for the girl. Okay, because well, all she did was kill the murder, the person who had like hurt so many other people. And so that's where the second uh, half of the... Uh, thing comes along and then we are introduced to uh, Hugh Dancy's character who is the prosecuting attorney and he does throw out the confession he's like this is this is crazy he, um, for all the reasons I said earlier and then Sam Waterston agrees but says you better win this case and so he comes out there and he's explaining all the things they know about her she had the hoodie she ditched the gun then they actually brought out Frank to testify and this is where I was 100% sure that Frank was in on the fact that he wanted this case thrown out. Because Frank gets up on the stand, and what is the first thing he does? He he says, she confessed to me in the room, and you can't do that. That's a mistrial. That's yeah, like right away. Yeah, that's immediately. <laughs> the judge is like, I want to see both attorneys in my office right now. So she brings the attorneys in there, and then... Uh, the prosecutor's like, he just made a mistake. It's okay. And then the, <laughs> the, the defense is like, no, no, no. I would demand a mistrial. The judge doesn't grant it. 
Instead, she's like, well, I'll just tell them to forget what they heard. How in that case? But is how it? is Frank that stupid? Like, they were like, Frank knew exactly what he was doing. I was like, yes, he did. And then I was, it, there was no poll at the end. At the very end, it wasn't like Frank nodded at the camera or anything. <laughs> like, yes, I, I got away with it and I helped her. It, she ends up being tried and, and uh, found guilty. That reminded me of the bowl episode that I watched where one of the lawyers said something and even though the judge said forget what you heard, like even the main character, Bull, was like, oh no, it doesn't matter because it's already in their heads now. Yeah, it's it happens a lot in, in these type of courtroom scenes where the, the person just ignores it, the jury can't unhear it. From all the problems they highlight with social unrest, with racism, with uh, just the they never go after the jury system. The end of the show has this message where he comes out there and he's like, no matter what happens, whatever the jury decides is just and right. And I was just like, mm -mm. how flawed <laughs> a character do you have to be to actually believe that? Even Hugh Dancy, when he's being the prosecuting attorney, he makes mistakes. He's not objecting at the right times. And I, I only know that because like they let the victim, this Nicole Atkins, go into her full story of how she was raped by the guy. And that doesn't have any bearing on the trial. Yeah. And in every courtroom scene I've ever seen, like they will come out and they'll be like, objection, Your Honor, relevance yeah. to what this actually has to do with his murder. <laughs> and instead, he just let her like speak in the whole room. She got a standing ovation when she was found guilty. The jurors were going to find her innocent until the closing arguments. And the closing arguments didn't even make sense either because there was so much hypocrisy in this. For instance, she changes, Nicole does, and her defense team changed from her pleading not guilty despite the confession mm -hmm. uh, to self-defense halfway through, right? But then the closing arguments for the prosecutor is, and I have the quote here somewhere, it asks the question, did Nicole Bell intentionally shoot and kill Henry King? If the answer is yes, you must convict. But if she's pleading self-defense, which she is, she already admitted to shooting and intentionally killing Henry King. So if the answer is yes, that doesn't mean that you should is, have to convict. That's literally it, what self-defense no means. It no sense in, well, no, it's, that's not what self because there, there's other prerequisites to it. Like, was he attacking her, which they go into. But, like, the idea of it just being, like, it was an intentional act doesn't mean that they had to convict her of being, in, yeah, it was, that, that, the ending was ugly. The ending was just bad. Um, so the worst part of the episode. Yeah, there were the normal tropes you get, the, uh, the misdirections, the red herrings, the judge being a hard ass, putting the bail at a million, even though the, even the prosecuting attorney only wanted it to be $200,000. You had the agent and the gangbanger who were basically throwaways to fill up time. Um, the taking of the fifth. Oh, also a bit of a twist on the normal Law & Order episode. They brought in a previous prosecuting attorney who they usually deal or dealt with, like I think in earlier seasons right. and made her an accomplice. She was the one who ended up accidentally working the deal out that got, what's her, what, what's his face? Henry King, um, uh, free, right? Right. Yeah. So. But, but apparently the victim, Nicole Atkins had gone to the prosecuting attorney the day before she killed him and told her that. And she just didn't, she didn't say anything. So she had to take the stand and take the fifth every time, basically just being an accomplice to that murder. So they drag her through the mud also, there's an objection where uh, the, the prosecution is badgering the witness and then he continues to just badger the witness despite that uh, objection. So that was, yeah. So th those are just the tropes that you're used to seeing and, and I'm glad they were still there. I guess the, the price won in the end, the uh, Hugh Dancy won. Mm -hmm. So he did get what he wanted. But there's something inherently bad about the fact that they made Nicole Atkins the murderer. Because how many times has that actually happened in real life where the victim the rape victim of something so highly publicized like like usually a the victim thing. after that just kind of wants to lay low and not have their name in the news 
Yeah, so. but it just felt wrong putting something like it just felt like a writer went out there and was like, you know what would be interesting to people, but like that would never happen. Uh, you, you just they would, yeah, they just dragging people through the mud like that, and then they made her into like some form of martyr because she got convicted in the end. It didn't feel right. The ending didn't feel right. So I'll give this episode probably a five. And I don't think the last thing I'll say about the prosecution, they didn't spend enough time saying that she shot the person four times in the chest, one time in the crotch. So clearly that would be a way of proving that it wasn't just self-defense, <laughs> that it was some vindictive act. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they mentioned that at the very beginning and then they don't say a threat. And I feel like that would be a basis to just proving that it was more than just a simple, I'm saving my own life. Yeah, I mean, on IMDb, the episode itself has a 6.8, which is the same as the show. Mm -hmm. I know that Dick Wolf... Wait, is the show the separated from no, no, season no, it, 1 through 22? No, it, it's, it's, it's literally 2000 to present. Oh, okay. At least as of now. And the show is a 77% on Ron's Tomatoes, along with a 38% audience score. Mm. I think that this was made really for the people that like the original Law and Order really? more than. I thought it was a people. response to the George Floyd thing. Like, remember how they were like, we're no longer making Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we're canceling Reno 91, all that stuff? Like, maybe yeah. this was supposed to be in response to that, but not from the way that they were portraying the social justice movement at the beginning <laughs> or the way that they attacked the defund the police movement. Uh, it was also interesting how the best part of the episode to me was that argument about the liars, about whether cops can lie. Because earlier when the wife came in, uh, she said the line, I didn't lie, I just left out a few details. And the wife later on lies again and, and tries to come to the defense saying that she witnessed the murder happen and that it was actually Nicole uh, Atkins was doing self-defense. She was defending mm -hmm. that. So it just got super ridiculous. But I did like that argument of how far can police go before it becomes coercion, before it becomes something that you should just be able to toss out. And uh, I do feel like Frank Cosgrove crossed a line in that in a normal sequence of events that prosecutors would have pushed harder to throw that out from the very start because it seemed like some of them were okay with it. But in the end, like, it's not actually going to have a story arc, right? So I feel like Frank Cosgrove is Frank going Cosgrove to has to grow. We cannot follow this character the whole time because him and Anthony Anderson are just too different right now. They, their relationship by the end of this thing is probably going to be a lot better. I mean, Ron Tomatoes did give it, like, in his consensus part, it talked about how it does try to address the race and policing, which I think is kind of the issue that you were it, talking it about. It tries with a broad brush <laughs> yeah uh they built 42 sets like from the original and like did it down to the slightest detail so that's Weird. what that's why i'm saying like i think it's that been it was 12 made. years you could have just said they've had a refurbishment in the last <laughs> that's what that's what some people were saying but i think dick wolf because ever since it was canceled he's been trying to get back on the air and thankfully like sam watterson he said was always on board with it he didn't have to try and convince him at all as and a kid i used to think that sam watterson was dick wolf because of how old he was, I just assumed that that was the creator of the show. <laughs> well, I think that along with Sam Watterson's casting, you were able to get so, like the original people again, mm -hmm. except for Cameron Manheim. Again, she plays Kate Dixon. And she was a new character introduced to the series, and also Dick Wolf said you should look out for more like old people from the original cast. I just meant old people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's New York. I realized plenty of old people. No, but old cast members coming back for either cameos or being there longer. And only the first episode was given to critics, which is strange. So you've seen the one like episode that every single critic saw as well. You've seen one. You've seen them all, though. It's Law and Order. Dun, dun. Well, there were some strange facts about the original Law and Order. Like, did you know someone quit by facts? 
No, <laughs> one of the actors quit by fast. No, but I did look up the name of the first episode, wondering whether or not they were going to put something. So this episode, again, is called The Right Thing. And the first episode I found out was called Prescription for Death. So absolutely no connection whatsoever. <laughs> it is funny, though, if 1990 was when the first season came out. So if you yeah. look at all those episode titles, very, very 1990-ish. Like, I think one, one of them said, like, Homeboy in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Unless you have... Before we end it, I do have some original facts about the 1990s TV show. Yeah. Roy Thins was originally the first district attorney, but only appeared in one episode, which was, was supposed to be the pilot, but was, was killed off. But it was really the sixth episode. But the series took so long to be picked up that Thines signed Died. another show. Oh. And and that part was given to Stephen Hill. Well, they couldn't have brought it back uh, 10 years ago because um, you had Waterston go on to Newsroom. You had Anthony Anderson go on to Blackish. I think Burn Notice was still going. It feels like it would have well, been. Well, I a, think, yeah, I mean, I think that the reason for that, though, was because Law and Order ended. Yeah, but what I mean is, like, they had to wait till those shows sort of expired before they could bring this cast yeah. back. Yeah. And then 1988, Dick Wolf met with unions that allowed shooting on location in NYC because at that time, like, people were not like allowed to shoot actually in new york just like this original show was so um that's weird and then there was repeat every time i go to new york i see things being shot on the street there is a repeat offenders website that lists multiple actors who showed yes. up on multiple yeah. different episodes playing alternative characters that would have been interesting if they had used the opportunity for this first episode to bring back a lot of like random extras <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode hope you enjoyed this one bye bye Thank you.